The purpose of this podcast is solely for patient education. It is not intended to evaluate, diagnose, treat, or cure disease. Views expressed are those of the podcasters and not their affiliate. Any medical questions or concerns should be addressed by the listener's physician or care provider. Listening to this podcast does not constitute a patient-physician relationship between the listener and the podcaster. We do hope the podcast can help enhance the listener's own medical experience. Welcome back to the newest episode of Everything Your Doc Wants You to Know and Doesn't Have Time to Tell You. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults. From latest research updates to tips on navigating the healthcare system and everything in between. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lindsay. How are you, Lindsay? I'm good. Welcome back. Yes, we have kind of missed a few weeks. We've had a little hiatus here during the pandemic, and it's good to be back. It is. Trying to get back in the normal routine. Yeah, hopefully... Our listeners can still uh, find our newest episodes and go back and check out the old ones if you've been missing it. Looking forward, we're hoping to get back on a more consistent schedule, but I'm not going to make any promises yet. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see how things go, right? Yeah, I think we have a timely topic, though, today. Um, It may be short and sweet, but I think it's a good one uh, to listen to. Yeah, so we're going to talk about isolation and loneliness in the elderly. Is that right, Lindsay? Right. I think um, there's been lots of of data uh, research in the past prior to COVID on um, the negative impact of isolation in our older adults and the things that this can lead to. And so I think even now when we are um, forcing isolation, it's a much bigger uh, issue. So something to bring to light. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, with the pandemic, um, you know, quarantining and isolation is certainly important in helping reduce the spread. But as Isaac Newton said, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And so we want to talk about kind of that side effect. And like you said, Lindsay, isolation is a new, it's not a new issue in the elderly, but um, certainly this has really brought to light some of the concerns that go along with isolation. So let's talk about what we know about isolation, even from pre-pandemic times. What, what were the concerns with isolation? I think it's certainly associated with a much higher risk of depression and anxiety, as well as dementias. Um, those are kind of the big things that I think we like to prevent. So we like to try to prevent uh, isolation and encourage socialization. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a quality of life issue, right? I think, you know, um, initially it doesn't necessarily cause anxiety or depression, but um, it, it certainly does reduce quality of life for short-term isolation. But when it is an ongoing chronic issue, then it can lead to more serious problems like severe depression. Right. And even been associated with um, frailty and sarcopenia, which are kind of geriatric syndromes um, that lead to falls and increase um, risk for hospitalization and death. And so um, certainly we've we've seen it in, you know, throughout the years, um, a big cause of isolation is when um, older adults stop driving or are forced to stop driving. Um, and so that's one time that we are very cautious and, and think about isolation and ways to uh, avoid it. But certainly now it's kind of 
um, there for a different reason because we're forcing it upon people to um, preserve their health and to not be infected by COVID-19. Absolutely. And can we jump back for a minute? What do you mean when you say frailty? What, what does that mean to a geriatrician? Yeah, so that's um, when we see weakness in muscles, uh, muscle strength and uh, falling and weight loss is associated with that. And there's a word we use, sarcopenia, which basically means um, muscle mass weight loss. So people, um, as we get older, tend to eat less protein and then exercise less and move less or less active for various reasons. And those things combined, less protein and less activity lead to sarcopenia and frailty. And so basically it's as kind of um, what weakness is to us, I guess, as a physician. The, the concerns about frailty and this loss of muscle mass um, are other complications like hospitalizations, falls, things like that. Right, which ultimately have negative impacts because of, uh, you know, even falls show increased uh, morbidity, mortality, hospitalizations, a hip fracture. There's a 30% uh, mortality rate the year following a hip fracture in our older adults. So, Isolation can contribute to these things as well. Um, and I think we're seeing that now, uh, you know, kind of three months into isolation for COVID, I have a bunch of um, older adults who were quite active and healthy and going to, you know, exercise classes. And since those have been shut down, I've seen a lot of increase in weakness just because um, we're trying to keep healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, the quarantine is certainly well intended. We're trying to keep our most vulnerable safe, which is this population that we're talking about. And of course, by doing that, there are some side effects to the quarantine as well, like you're mentioning. Yeah. And I think certainly for for all age groups, um, this is a big deal right now as well. I mean, when we're isolated and not getting out with our um, social groups, we certainly, uh, my daughter has experienced it. I have just a low mood and, and not feeling happy and as energetic as we usually do. And if this continues, I, you know, then you, you start to do less or eat unhealthy. And so we've all kind of gotten into this negative, I guess, activities because of our isolation. Absolutely. And, you know, the longer it lasts, I think then, the more hopeless people start to feel and helpless because they really can't change the situation. And so all of those things are contributing factors to depression and anxiety. Right. And the, and the same goes for dementia. So, I, you know, now the thought of Alzheimer's disease is that it's, it's um, not just one thing that causes dementia. It's just not the genetics, but it's a multimodal or multi-caused um, disease. And so you may have the gene, but then it requires, you know, um, other hits, we call it on the, the brain system to contribute to uh, the, the s- symptoms of the disease of Alzheimer's. And, and some of those are lack of exercise or lack of social and cognitive stimulation that are, could be the thing, the tipping point that put someone over into a true dementia. Absolutely. Absolutely. So somebody who maybe had some risk factors before would be at risk right now of actually showing signs of dementia. Right. 
And so it's, it's a hard time uh, all around in our world, but certainly this is really tough for our older adults who, who don't have the reserve that the rest of the younger uh, population has, right? Not only that, many of them live alone. They're not in family units. Um, they may, you know, they may live independently still, or the ones who are in assisted living or nursing homes are being forced to be alone at this time. And so um, definitely a, a problem that is kind of multiplying upon itself. So another very serious complication that we've seen in people who do develop depression is an increase in suicide attempts and suicide in the older adult population. Right, I think we've we've seen that um, in the last three months certainly increase with what's going on. Yeah, and so obviously, you know, as we try to save lives by minimizing the spread of coronavirus disease, we, um, you know, are seeing some true serious side effects that do take a toll on lives as well. And so I think we need to look at um, how we can balance that and maintain safety and social distancing, yet minimizing isolation. Right. And try to maintain some quality of life in the last stage of life. I guess uh, instead of just doom and gloom, we should talk about ways we can combat this um, during the pandemic. And um, I think probably, you know, around the globe, we're coming up with new and I new improved ways to get together via electronics. Um, and I think it, this is an important time to try to educate our older adults about, you know, FaceTime and Zoom and how can we get together um, to help combat this isolation. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, there are things that uh, you know, no matter where you're at in your life journey, if you're among the older feeling more isolated or if you're younger and in a family unit, there are things that each person can do to help others out um, and help those out who are at highest risk right now. So, you know, for the for the older population themselves, I think the, like you mentioned, Lindsay, you know, closing down great exercise programs that they maybe were a part of before. Are there things, exercises or things you recommend that they could do at home um, to help maintain some of their strength and their, you know, prevent that frailty from setting in? Yes, I think the National Institute of Health on Aging has a really good website. So if they have computer and are a little bit um, savvy, you can get onto that website and they have really great exercise booklets that are free that you can get mailed to you that have, um, you know, really good pictures and outlines of exercises for strength and balance, which are really important now. Um and I think there's tons of YouTube videos with exercise out there. A lot of um, companies, even local gyms are doing classes online. So I think there's lots of ways to um, search and find some exercises that are um, easy to do in your home. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, doing individual exercises are good, but if you can find an online class, that's probably even better because even if you're not directly interacting, you still have that um, human contact. It's different than being in person, but it's better than nothing. Right. And there's, you know, the new uh, equipment and companies like the Peloton or the Nordic Track or this mirror thing are other ways to, I think, get kind of group exercises with an instructor who's telling you how to do it appropriately. Yeah. And, 
you know, the other thing is just uh, maybe finding new hobbies, right? So if you're if you're an artist doing that, or if you've never tried painting before, trying something new, um, engaging your brain in different ways to stay active that way too. Right, and there's great uh, coloring things you can get, either coloring books or big posters um, online you can order or just going to your local, you know, Barnes and Noble has a bunch of those fun uh, adult coloring books or how-to art instructions. And then what about for other other generations of people? What suggestions do you have in terms of how they can help this most vulnerable population get through the time right now? I think, you know, a lot of the, especially if people are in assisted livings or nursing homes, you have to find unique ways to, to visit. And I think the facilities are, are up to help get, uh, you know, conversations, not just the telephone, but video conferencing, uh, for those family members. But I think visiting and doing, um, you know, through the window is a fun way, uh, to see people. And I know some places now are opening up where you, if you're really social distancing and they have kind of outlined places in their courtyards and things where families can come and have a, a gathering together. Uh, at some of our local places. So hopefully those types of places are, are working on um, organizing those for families. I think if you have a family member who, who's living alone that you, uh, you know, invite them or yourself over to do a social distancing meeting for a game or for a meal and that you just really, you know, have your masks on and practice that six feet distance. And I think that's probably safe at this time in most of our areas. Um, Certainly where we are, our numbers have been going down. So I think that's safe to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, other things, even if it's not a family member, but if it's just somebody who you know, maybe through a church group or other organization, um, continuing to reach out and maintain contact, whether it's writing a letter or sending a card, uh, people just, it's so meaningful right now. And I think, you know, even thinking about adopt a grandparent programs, and I don't know what they're doing virtually right now, but I imagine um, there are some ways to connect. I know we've been bringing some little cards and art projects over for a friend that we have at a nursing home. And um, sometimes we'll just bring random cards that we ask the staff to distribute to other residents as well. So just something to brighten people's day, even if they don't know you, it's it's okay. They, they appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, finally, we're making some progress in terms of the outdoor, like you said, social distancing meetings where you can actually visit in person. I think that's going to be really important. And so if you can take the time to do that and connect with somebody, you know, that's going to be really helpful. Yep. And I've seen some really um, innovative ideas of families posting various things. Um, A family made some sort of plastic kind of hugging contraption where they could because they were their grandmother was sad they couldn't hug and so they made it so they weren't actually touching I thought that was interesting I love Um, it you could probably use a big plastic tarp just make sure nobody's face gets covered right right yeah that's a great idea if you're really missing those hugs those hugs are hard to do without sometimes so I think that's a really good idea I thought, Lindsay, maybe we could take another minute, too, and just talk about 
um, what kind of outings are safe? So now not necessarily talking about just getting our elderly population out, but just in general, what is the safety and, um, you know, if you balance safety and whether or not something is essential versus risk and low, low need for it, what, what kind of recommendations do we have for people in terms of what activities are good, which ones should be avoided right now? Right. I think um, I would still avoid rest, eating inside in a restaurant um, and movie theaters. What other places would you avoid still? Yeah, as much as I hate to say this, I've been telling people I wouldn't exercise inside a gym right now. I do recommend physical activity. It's so important right now, but I wouldn't do that in a gym. There you have people breathing hard. Uh, there will be, if somebody is sick and asymptomatic, there will be more virus in the air and it will stay there for a few hours. I agree. I think certainly going to uh, stores when you need something, um, if you're a person who has at higher risk, I would still go at hours and times when the store would be less uh, busy and I would wear a mask and I would make sure I'm, you know, have my hand sanitizer with me and I still wash, wash my hands when I get home plus sanitize before I get home. Yeah, so I think... You know, if you're in a grocery store, you need to get groceries as long as you're moving through, not standing there for any longer than you need to be. And of course, wearing a mask and maintaining social distance, that should be okay. Similarly, going to a bank if you need to do so, usually they're not terribly crowded. And so um, that should also be okay. Um, but I would avoid those non-essential trips still as much as you can. I think communities are doing fun things with drive-in movies and drive-in concerts, and I think that those things would be okay to attend as long as yeah, the people I, in your car are in your your social group. Exactly, exactly. I think those are a great idea and um, a safe way to have some recreation outside the home. Right. So, Lindsay, do you have any recommendations? We've got, you know, it's summertime. Summer gatherings certainly happen. The 4th of July is coming very quickly here. Any recommendations for those gatherings in terms of how people should stay safe or protect their more vulnerable loved ones? Yeah, I think it still kind of depends on, on where you live and what your numbers are uh, and whether they're still increasing or if they stabilized and decreasing. But I think... Um, I think outside is a fairly safe place to be. I think you still need to to social distance, and that um, that's keeping the six foot distance from other people. And and if you're going to be in a larger group, um, certainly you have to maintain what the rules are in your area for groups that can gather. But I think small uh, extended families can gather outdoors with social distancing and masks in a fairly safe way at this point. Yeah, so I hopefully people can um, actually, you know, the more we do those things, the more we are consistent with masks and social distancing, the more flexibility and freedom we have to get out and do those things as long as everybody is looking out for everyone else. Um, so hopefully people can still enjoy these, you know, summer holidays and barbecues and things. Just do it in a safe manner that is um, cognizant of the ongoing pandemic. And I know uh, some sports have, some children have had sports that have come back up. And I think as long as it's outdoors and you want to enjoy a, your son or grandson's or daughter's um, 
you know, baseball, I think that's fine too, as long as you, you'd still, you know, wear the mask and social distance. Yeah. I've had patients come in and say things like, well, back when it was bad, I was not going out at all. And, you know, I think it's hard for people to understand that even though things have reopened, it is still still bad. bad. Yeah. We're still dealing with the same problem and it hasn't lessened really. I mean, besides, you know, in certain areas, the numbers have decreased, but the severity of illness right, is not different. Right. Yeah. And I know it's hard when you don't when you don't see somebody directly affected by it. It may be very hard to to feel like it's a real ongoing thing. It's been going on now for a long time. And we're also getting more comfortable with the fact with it. that it's here. Yep. And so I think um, just knowing that, yeah, it's still something to be taken seriously. And I think as long as we do that, people can be safe. Right. So, Lindsay, do we have a health pearl for today? I think we've probably already talked a little bit about it, but I, I would say... The best thing to do is to find somebody who you think um, could benefit from a safe social distancing outing where you take them and have an outside uh, dessert or meal or picnic and just practice the safe social distancing, but also um, improve on their socialization and having fun and a good quality of life. Absolutely. I think that's a great one. I love it. If you do have questions or topics you'd like to have us address, please email us. We're at mail at everythingdoc.com. You can find the links to our show notes and any other link that we talked about at our website, which is everythingdoc.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to being back in a few weeks with another new episode. Have a great day.